What a difference a week makes. The Chicago Bears went from winless, listing, gonna lose every game, to suddenly some fans are talking themselves back into playoffs. The truth has to be somewhere in the middle, and Nick and I will talk about that, everything to do with this upcoming Bears-Vikings game, maybe a little bit of Packers schadenfreude, and plenty more on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Us, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, editor-in-chief of the Bears blog, here with Nick Whalen of Football Guys, two Bears-obsessed analysts, as we are ready. Are you ready, Nick, to open? It's the grand opening of the mini-buy Chicago Bears NFL Stock Exchange, where we're going to take a quick look at how are players doing compared to what we expected they would be doing upwards of five weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think, well, first off, it's a great day to be a Bears fan. I mean, I mean, Bears in general, we won a game. The Packers lost. The Raiders, who were in that draft pick hunt, they won. I mean, Justin Fields is back on track. He's second in the NFL in touchdown passes. Yep. What could be better than this? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, at the very least, Nick, because we went from, okay, so for me, for me, just because I've got to bear my soul, right? I got to show you all of my vulnerability. This year, all I wanted was a clear-cut answer. I wanted mm-hmm. to either get a clear yes or a clear no. And we are back in the maybe zone. But yep. the maybe zone is way more interesting football than yeah. either the or than the no is and as much as i would love the yes we're just we're not going to be there for at least a couple more weeks but boy oh boy do the bears have the opportunity to stack mm-hmm. a couple weeks cuz this vikings team they've got some players but they're certainly down i don't know would you describe justin jefferson as down three star players like i mean i mean i mean <laughs> you could argue the best non quarterback in the nfl yeah, like the best player I mean, well boy that's a great discussion that's a great discussion cuz nobody's ever going to pick an offensive tackle cuz they don't do enough right yep. you get yep. some of these edge rushers like look at what max crosby did last night it mm-hmm. wide receivers are incredible it is hard for them to take over a game by themselves without the quarterback balling as we mm-hmm. saw on last thursday's Right. And like, it's so funny talking about like, maybe, maybe one of the best, because I think he might be one of the best, but impact, it's such a funky question, but you're totally right. Like, it's not to take away from your greater point that this is not just a huge loss doesn't describe. Like losing Justin Jefferson is a massive blow to the Vikings offensive ecosystem. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So do you want to start trending up or you want me to start trending up in this stock? Kick it off because I have a feeling I know who you're going to talk about. All right. So you gotta do it. You know, if you're watching, it's gonna be this guy. Okay. So Justin Fields, um, shockingly trending up. And as I told him, I'm gonna give you guys just a little visual. I've got a bunch of stats and notes for this podcast or video if you're watching. So a couple of things that to highlight on the season for Justin Fields. So this isn't just two weeks if people think this is cherry picking. On the season, Fields ranks first in the NFL in touchdown percentage. So what that is, is that's per pass. You divide Mm -hmm. that out by your touchdowns. He's first in the NFL at 7.2 percentage chance of a touchdown pass every pass attempt. He's eighth in yards per attempt. He's 12th in quarterback rating, fourth in yards per completion. He's, and and I went and like, I did these on um, um, NFL football reference. They have some advanced stats. He's sixth on on on-target percentage in the NFL, Mm -hmm. all despite being 
30th in pressure percentage. So when he's pressured and when I looked in PFF, they have Justin Fields as the 14th worst quarterback at allowing pressures. So this means he's not top five anymore, which means Amen it's all line. So despite all of the pressure, he's still performing great. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we, with what we've seen of Justin Fields the last two weeks, the question is just going to become, can we sustain this? Because mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, I complained a lot. I had to change my word. You, if you are an adult man, you know what I was about to say. I complained a lot about all the asterisks involved with the performance against the Denver Broncos defense that is objectively horrible. And come to find out after the game that I vastly overvalued the Washington defense, who at the moment I think stands in 28th on EPA per play. But the plays were there. Justin made them. We operated the offense much cleaner. Our drop footwork looks much cleaner. We look more comfortable. We threw the ball at, you know what? Lowercase L late, but that's okay. We made it on target. What's funky to me about where Fields is at right now, Nick, and I bet you've seen it too, is that the Bears have a, it's not a traditional offense anymore. We have cut the field in half in many cases. We're making one, two-man reads, and we are sending a lot of guys deep. Which, hey, this accentuates what Fields is good at. And man, oh man, in Washington's case, did they let DJ Moore beat them? Because Mm -hmm. it's one thing when a receiver grinds out 95 yards and a touchdown, maybe 95 and two touchdowns, 230 yards and three scores. This guy smoked you. But hey, Fields did deliver the ball. And Mm -hmm. given where we started the season, you can't not list Justin Fields on the stock up section. Because we started it so low that we might not be all the way up yet, but we are clearly trending in the right direction. And what an interesting test he's got coming up against the Minnesota defense. I'll sneak in a little bit of preview here that right now fields. I don't know where this changed because I was under the impression he was doing pretty well against the blitz. But recent statistics say that fields has a just just below 60 passer rating. I know passer rating, but forgive me. It's the stat that I found. Um, Just below 60 pass rating when he's blitzed. And Minnesota blitzes like maniacs. You should get a little bit more man. Fields is really strong against man right now. But it wouldn't surprise me if we see Fields put in some uncomfortable situations. I, as a lowercase d doubter, am a little bit of a fan of that. Because I want to see Fields show me that areas of doubt are better now. You know what I'm saying? And if we sustain this effort, man... What a tough choice the Bears are going to have on their hands if that Carolina Panthers pick stays all the way up at number one. But that's a conversation for another day. I'm right there with you that especially after week one, especially after week two, we didn't pass on a bunch of downfield throws. We threw them all. And there are a couple of those throws, specifically the 25-yarder to DJ Moore where he overthrew DJ when he was wide open in the end zone. A couple of those Mooney sail routes and the Mooney route in the end zone. Sure, we'd love to have some of these throws back. But when you throw for 288 yards and four touchdowns and you put up 40 points, yeah, it's a great week to give the quarterback a pass on the stuff that didn't happen, right? What would you what would you grade Fields's? I mean, because there were a lot of throwaways, a lot of tip passes, mm-hmm, which people mm-hmm. talk about completion percentage. That was a majority of them. Mm-hmm. What would be your overall grade for Fields against Washington? I thought so. I because I won't let you get a clean answer out of me. Uh, I would divide it all right. So as far as the quarterbacking 
part, I thought Fields was an A- minus on the day. It looked to me like he read the defense. He checked. He never seemed flustered. He got flustered and spooked a lot throughout the early parts of the season. But extra pressure didn't seem to bother him, as, like you're saying, he found ways to get the ball out. The <clears throat> throw accuracy. That sale route to Mooney, you're going to have a hard time convincing me that's not a touchdown. Like, looking at the all-22 angle on that thing, or Mooney could turn right up field, and it's just DJ Moore, DJ yep. Moore's man, and the end zone yawning open. But we hit the thrower, we hit the double move to DJ Moore. I would say quarterbacking piece, A-, minus. Uh, the throw throwing part, or maybe like the, I don't know, the other like all the electricity the are you a superstar the playmaking playmaking is the word i'm looking for yeah. like a like a b minus he didn't create a hot like he didn't create a ton like we've seen him do in the past but a b minus you got to remember we're not going off of fan graphs or whatever other place like b minus is well above a passing grade it's just mm-hmm. i know there's more in there from him but what about you yeah so i, I would do it a little bit reverse actually so i think in terms of yeah, he missed on some throws. I'd probably give him like a B plus probably within mm-hmm. there, although decisive. And even though is it maybe a lowercase, you know, A in the JT O'Sullivan playbook. But also, I think what was the word you used last podcast? Undisastering. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> undisastering. I mean, like high snap, got out of what should have been a grounding, but got out of a sack. Like just like that mess, like there was no running back, so he ran over people. Like that stuff, I think gets a bonus, even though it's not the seventy-yard runs oh, he had before. He was a man so on like, a mission. That yeah. that play he had, where he goes shoulder to shoulder with that defensive back and nearly looks like he lights the guy out. I mean, that was that's grit that you're that's just not my, seeing. That, from that's my quarterback. quarterback. You know, mm-hmm. that's what you want to see. So, so that that part was was awesome. the The other stat I think that you know for the and I know we're not this way, and I hope a lot of our listeners aren't this way, but the Justin Fields is a running back, whatever talk that is. Um, he's fourth in deep, so plus 20-yard passes, grade for PFF. He's the fourth best graded quarterback in the NFL. So um, he can throw. Oh, he can throw deep. It's that intermediate area we've got questions about right now. Yep. He was Over really the middle, struggling. especially. He was really struggling early in the season, especially uh, or last year. Even he was really struggling as a short ball thrower and that it was the deep ball where he really made his hay. right now. He's gotten a lot better at those short balls, even though he still turns down double slant. But hey, at least we turned it into a sweet run this time. And uh, and like you're saying, when you actually get down the field like that deep left that deep right area of the field fields is throwing into it and we're giving our guys chances and man oh man i mean it has to be mentioned that the bears supporting cast looked like a bunch of all-stars against washington dj moore was open whenever he wanted to be darnell mooney was about as open as i've ever seen him all season this year cole Komet looked well more than useful i would argue that was his best route running day of the game or like best route running day of maybe his bears career honestly Uh, but within that it's like you're saying that middle of the field the intermediate sections, left and right. And I would love to see a couple more progression reads, but I got to be so plain. I got to be so plain, everybody on the podcast. If he keeps putting up 275 yards, if he keeps putting up 240 and multiple touchdowns, I mean, we're looking at a young Russell Wilson if he does that. But I'm going to underline that if, and I'm going to star that if, and I'm going to say we have to revisit this in four games minimum. 
because well, well again <laughs> let, let, let's remember too so here's the on pace numbers he's on pace for 3,886 yards, 37 touchdown passes and 17 interceptions, a quarterback rating of 95.4. And one debate I got on uh, actually just prior to this podcast with somebody is because it, because now it's always just Caleb Williams or Justin Fields. It's like, we have 12 more games. Okay. Let's wow. just, we don't have to decide this right now, but let's remember between week seven, right? The, after the mini buy mm-hmm. last year in week 16, Justin Fields' quarterback passer rating from those games was 98. So if you think this is like just a mirage, this 95 quarterback rating, uh, he did it for a large portion of last year too. The the only game that doesn't count is, again, he was knocked out, so he didn't play against the Jets. That's not calculated. And then we're not counting the Detroit game at the end of the year where he doesn't have Claypool, Mooney, and he got injured in the game. So I was like, well, and he didn't play well. If you want to add that in, I guess, but he didn't play well and didn't really have anybody, so... I mean, in my opinion, what will be really interesting to watch. So we talked going into the game against Denver about how Miami had come out and handed the entire NFL the blueprint of how to beat the Denver Broncos. And the Bears followed it. I mean, they used a lot more toss running. They got running backs on the edge of the defense. And maybe moreover, they used crossing routes across the middle of the field that just cut that Denver defense to pieces. If there's one thing I think gets really interesting, Nick, like we know you've seen this stat. Justin Fields completed a pass in week four or in week five's game to only one receiver. Tight ends, he hit both of them. Or both I can't remember if Mercedes Lewis caught a pass, and that doesn't really matter. Um he hit his running backs, he hit his tight ends, and he hit DJ Moore. We didn't, I don't know if we attempted a pass to Tyler Scott, to Valus Jones. To any of the other receivers, uh, St. Brown had that swing and he missed him. Do you remember that one? Yes, he's like really yes. deep in the backfield. The the very big checkdown that he which just I which I thought was double pass for a second. I was like, might have been, this? yeah. But it's more it's to weird. say that within that game, where again the Bears hung forty on Washington, I would argue that it's going to be hard for a defensive coordinator to not look at that game tape and go, okay, so DJ Moore can't beat us because he will if we give him the chance mm-hmm. to beat us. He's going to. And I love that the Bears have a receiver that's going to dictate some coverage. Yes, please. That's how you can really get a measure of whether or not not only the rest of your guys can play, because this is where if you take two guys out of coverage and you stick them on DJ Moore, I love Darnell Mooney against a bunch of one-on-ones. And I thought Mooney played really, really well in that week five game. He and Fields just didn't connect. But the point is, Nick, we shouldn't get a this string that we got in last year's 2022 where it felt as if a bunch of defensive coordinators did not bother to do their homework on how to fence in Justin Fields and let the same rough game plan of getting just beat by zone read on the edge roll them over for nearly four weeks in a row until that Atlanta game where things got a little more bogged in the mud and even then it wasn't bad I'm interested to see how other defenses adapt because Jack Del Rio did not live up to the expectations that I had of him. The offensive line vastly exceeded my expectations because the tape shows Deron Payne, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, and even Jonathan Allen, though I think he was the weakest of the four, low-key balling all throughout the game. And the offensive lineman for the Chicago Bears putting up a legitimate fight on every single down. It was awesome. It was awesome. Now I mean, I don't, just, I don't think the line played great, but they, they tried. Well, so I've watched too many lines where they go up against legitimate superstars and they just get smoked, right? Like no chance. We've all seen I mean, these, right? 
I mean, Larry, Larry Borum gave up how many pressures? Eight. Borum, Borum I'm not really picking on. Okay. But I'm talking about yeah. Tevin Jenkins. I'm talking about Nate Davis. I'm talking about Darnell Wright. And I'll give a little half-hat tip to Cody Whitehair when he was playing center. Because yeah. at least if you're going to be a speed bump, be it at, in the middle. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, but, so 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 if we're, if we're not going to include Jatibri Carter or Larry Borum or Cody Whitehair at guard, I'm with you. Right. Exactly. The, I mean, okay. Bears offensive line had some holes, but yeah. I feel like it's been an awfully long time since we had even two offensive linemen that we thought were going to be more than a speed bump for defensive linemen. And this game plan wouldn't have worked without an offensive yeah. line that could at least create some clean pockets. The Bears mm-hmm. have been quietly doing it. I thought Thursday night was much more loud because, again, oh. that front, nasty. So, so it sounds like your stock trending up would be the Bears O line. Is that where we're going? I would say stock trending up. Let's see uh, if I looked at your list, not to steal any from you. I think Nate Davis has to get this like artificial stock up because he had a bunch of stock down due to him being injured that wasn't an right. injury, and nobody really mm-hmm. understood it because Bears PR didn't let us know anything, so I mean, people on. just assumed the worst. Right? Uh, <clears throat> Tevin Jenkins hit the ground running he he wanted to hit people oh my gosh i love it too because (laughs) there's nothing better than watching a player who's in this weird rotation that the bears seem to just love to do making you go put him back in the game are we trying to win (laughs) right right 75 or 76 was mugging people like Mm. instantly looked comfortable instantly looked comfortable that's i i feel when i watch him play i feel like he would be really good friends with olin kruitz you know what i mean Mm -hmm. just like and plus like doing the little after just to mess with defenders and that's my kind of lineman oh my gosh he will take any opportunity to put his offense or to get his defensive lineman's jersey dirty and Mm -hmm. it's awesome it really is and so Mm -hmm. like you're saying i mean the main thing I'm looking at here is when I say Fields is supporting cast, the passing ecosystem should exist, right? Yeah. If you dropped NFL standard quarterback into the Bears offense saying, well, he doesn't have enough receivers. Well, he doesn't have enough or like he doesn't have enough offensive linemen. I think you and I would agree. Not really. I mean, right. this this team can play a little bit. Are they yep. the best team in the NFL? Let's not go there. We are one and four. <laughs> well, well, let's real quick, just real quick. What Chicago is 10th in points per drive offensively, 11th in yards per play. So we're better than half of the NFL. Mm-hmm. I think they're 25th in DVOA. So it does depend on where you look, right? But you can't argue with numbers that say we are scoring when we are especially through mm-hmm. the last two weeks. Who else you got stock up? So so the next stock up is going to lead me into Trent Taylor. And before I lead into him, I'm going to have just a fun little quiz time. Okay. Hit me. We, Hit me. we did this last week. I didn't hear any, any feedback from it, but I think it's fun. <laughs> so I hope that you guys think it's fun. So I have a quick two question quiz here for I'm Mr. Ready. Robert. And if you're, you know, listening at home, which you are, uh, you can guess too. So, Mr. Trent Taylor, how many punt returns off the top of your head does Chicago have? And he's the only one that's returned him. So, Trent Taylor, how many punt returns does he have in five games? Punt returns? Does this include yes. fair catches? No, no, no. Just returns. Returns? <laughs> like two? <laughs> he, has, he has five. Asking. It's five? He has five, yeah. There we go. Okay. Yeah, and so well, and and the thing that and the reason he's in my trending up is because 
he takes chances. Like he'll catch it knowing he's like, okay, I only got a step or two. But what he does is he converts again, right. not letting it fumble, muff it, it go over his head. He catches it and he gets some yardage, which again helps field position. The biggest differential, if people don't know this, is field position with scoring points. It's I only have to get two first downs, I can get a field goal. That's way better than having to move the ball 50 yards to get into field goal range. Like that stuff is massive. Absolutely. And he is averaging 8.2 yards per punt return. And again, it's only five. We love that. But that's better than we've had in the past. Oh. My other question for you is this. Mm-hmm. How many kick returns does Chicago have in five games? And they're all by Tyler Scott. Oh, man. Valus isn't taking the kick return? Nope. Are you I, kidding I, me? I have four when I looked it up. Hopefully that was correct. I mean, oh, my gosh. How many? So how many kick returns did you just say the answer? Did you just say four? I did. My bad. <laughs> but that wouldn't surprise me. I was going to guess another low number because yeah. despite the Bears defense getting scored on a lot, man, kickers kickers ate their Wheaties. They're pounding well, dude, that they, thing. That, that's, you know, that's one thing that's massive from like watching, you know, Kevin Butler growing up, you know, and then, and then Robbie. But like, remember like a 50 yarder was like super far. Like, man, I wonder yes. if they're going to get there. And now they're like, yeah, you know, 58. They got this. It's in his range. He can push maybe 60. It's like, what happened to kickers? I know Justin Tucker is the obvious kicking legend that will forever be remembered. But yeah. for me, it was Matt Prater that started to turn things. If you remember yeah. that name, like yeah, yeah. he started with, what was it? Was it Detroit? No, it was Denver. And then he shifted to Detroit and the guy was making these unthinkable at the time, unthinkable 55 yard kicks could even attempt them from beyond 60 and hit him. And it was yeah. like, who is this guy? Yeah. Well, well, and then then you got to think of Janikowski, right? First round pick. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because Jank was right there. But I'm talking just anecdotally, the one I remember that started hitting these ultra long kicks was Prater during those Denver days where Mm -hmm. Denver was scoring a million points. And of course, they had a kicker that was just flat out nails Yeah, in in the thin air. But 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 just in general, I think in terms of our our Again, so a couple things here. One, Trent Taylor, definitely, I think, a bonus. Good thing that we got him. Mm-hmm. He is helping Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I think the kicking game. I think Trenton Gill, I think Cairo Santos hasn't missed a kick yet. Knock on wood. And you just did that, that too. We, and we couldn't <laughs> say that last year. We couldn't say that for extra points last year. Cairo Santos was missing those. So so I think both of those are, are trending up right now. I know. I was talking to somebody just today. Uh, you... So you'll be able to see a like a, an interview on Windy City Gridiron that Bills and Ridge just had with Josh Lucas, uh, guy who's been making the rounds with Chicago Bears media re- lately, and just talking to him about what he experienced or what he and Lucas talked about. It is wild to think about how much when it rains, Nick, it pours, and I don't know what specifically went wrong with Cairo, but I can only imagine last team or last year's team was fairly, I don't want to say toxic to be around, but I can't imagine it was an easy season, right? Especially as the wheels started to fall off. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of Cairo struggles, just talking it out with you did not coincide with the long losing stretches. Like in fact, they were involved in those games where literally the extra point would have tied it had to, or had we made it, but we didn't and lose by one point. So Bummer, rough luck, but I'm with you. The kicking game seems like it's solid. I wish Gil would let off one of those 70-yard rockets at some yeah. point because every other t- uh, punter seems to be able to do it. And here and there, I'd say once a game, I swear to you, Nick, it's like I look at the stats and I go, did he just? Did we just punt it 35 yards from the 30? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? What happened? 
<laughs> and I'm not a punting expert, so I'm not going to know. But last I checked, Gill might actually be outside the top 20 in uh, in net punt average. But again, not going to pretend to be a special he, teams guru. He's in the middle range. But, but to me, I think that's so tough when you look at that because exactly. you're also looking at touchbacks and you're looking at inside the 20 and all that kind of stuff. So kind of a mess. I, I just kind of looked, I thought it, but, but last year I thought it was significantly worse. So that's, I guess what <laughs> I'm got better. It <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take, I'll take trending up. Do you have another stock trending up? Do I? Oh, gotcha. Yeah, do you, I mean, I, if you don't mind me just taking off of your list no, here, go ahead. Yeah, I think go ahead. Andrew Billings has been flat out. Awesome. I mean, it's hard to say that his stock is trending up because it started white hot and now it's settled to red hot. But the joke I keep making, I made it on Twitter earlier today, is it is as if the Bears looked at their defensive line. They said, well, what if we added Jalen Carter? And then they obviously didn't. And it was as if the football gods decided to infuse one random Bears player with the (laughs) ability of a defensive lineman near that level just to prove that the defense has issues that extra super great talent may not fix. Because Andrew Billings has played like the free trial edition of Dexter Lawrence. Like, it has been really, really awesome. The only problem being, they still take him down. They take him out on passing downs, right? And so, and and, and what's funny with him is like, I think about, like, he's playing so well, I'm like, man, can we afford him? Or like, do I want to pay him the contract it's going to take? But that's a good problem to have. It's a great problem. And in my opinion, so Brad Spielberger uh, at PFF, formerly over the cap, he might still do some things with over the cap at one point. Great person, great follow. You guys should follow him. One thing he taught me that I thought was really intriguing was this idea that your draft pedigree follows you forever. Why did TJ Edwards, coming off of a team that went to the Super Bowl, get paid about $6 million a year over three years versus Tremaine Edmonds getting paid $18 million over through, or like over the next five years. Why, why the difference? Despite the fact that Edwards, according to nearly any metric, was one of the best linebackers in football. Well, yep. Edwards is a former UDFA and Edmonds is a former first round pick and mm-hmm. Billings being a former fourth round pick. That's now changed teams three in the last four years. I would be shocked if the bears couldn't extend him for call it half price of what the standard extension would be. Oh, think about the way exactly. Think about what Akeem Hicks got signed for when he came out of the Patriots, right? Uh, a relatively, I don't want to call it meager, but a great deal for him. The most money he'd ever seen in his life. And for the bears, it was probably a third of what he was worth given the level that he was playing. I, I can't say for certain that the Bears could lock this in with Billings, but I would be surprised if Billings wouldn't take something in the neighborhood of eight to nine million dollars, if not less, compared to suddenly needing to hand him fourteen million dollars. Yeah, like, or well, Javon Hargrave is was near twenty, wasn't it? Exactly, and that's why I look at this and I think to myself, man, I'm not saying you got to extend him immediately, immediately, but you're darn close. Because yeah, yeah. against Washington, once again, he's one of the only defensive linemen that is making positive plays for the Chicago Bears, and it stands out. Well, and, and clutch plays too. It's third and short, and he stuffed the guy, causing fourth downs. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy we signed him. And it was one of those things too, Robert. When we signed him, I was like, you know, looking at PFF because I, you know, I know who Andrew Billings is, but I haven't watched his film from right. you know, the Raiders and wherever. And I'm like, oh. He was like 
the 18th best D tackle last year in PFF, like one year deal for that's pretty cheap. That's nice. Like, so in my mind, I'm like, hopefully he plays like that. He's playing better, which is awesome. Way better. I can't tell if he's developed or whether he's just found something, but it's so funny because whereas a corner is going to be very system dependent, I'm going to hit a stock up. If you don't mind with Tyreek Stevenson, we'll get there later as we talk a little bit more about the rookies, but Mm -hmm. within the context of this game, the bears ran a little bit more man coverage and we saw the explosion. We saw the stickiness. We saw the physicality. I see some people online complaining about too much physicality and every DB coach I have ever talked to all tell me the same thing. They say you'd rather teach a guy to be a little less physical than try to teach a guy to be a little more physical yes. because the ones that it's the it's ones that born. can it's in you or not in you. Exactly. The ones that can can ease off. The ones that can't can't get in to being so, physical. So what I want with him what scares me to death is I feel like he's going to get flagged every time because he can't locate the darn ball, Robert. It's so funny you say that, though, because that play he had where he uh, where he raced down the sidelines, the guy bumped into him and the throw came back behind him. He did find the ball. He just didn't stare at it forever because as he was ra- running down the sidelines, he quick snapped his head up, checked for the ball, and then raised his arms, if you if you remember. Oh, yeah. He then realized he was, uh, it was Terry McLaurin, way I think, behind right? him. Like, yeah. could he have turned back and maybe caught the interception? It's I mean, it's possible, right? But we're talking about a guy who's got five starts in the NFL. I have a very low bar, very, very, very low bar for rookies. But given that he started his NFL career out getting bodied with a capital B, seeing him be the focal point of what Eric Bieniemy thought was going to break open the offense and actually turn them away more often than not, I love it especially as a DB a DB lover. I thought that was awesome. You look at Stevenson, you see the future, right? You look at Elijah Hicks, love you, Elijah. You don't see the future, oh right? <laughs> well, well, he he's a, spoiler alert, he's on my my trending downs. We won't go there. So, okay, that, that's yours. Um, and when, There's one that we you kind of talked about already, but TJ Edwards is on my trending up. A guy that had a rough week one. I mean, he and the, on that Texas route, gave it up to Aaron Jones on fourth down. That was on him. That honestly kind of sprung the game. Um, he had a rough start coming from Philly. I had some high expectations from him. But he's bounced back a lot from yep. film that I've seen, from PFF grades, from I think just being around the ball yes. more often. Um, he's someone that right now, I trust him and his stock is going up. So I'm very happy that he is a Chicago bear. He's living up to that. And when I look at um, pillars for this defense, I think of Billings. I think right now of TJ Edwards. I mean, guys that have been playing. And I think of one other guy who's my next trending up guy stock up is Demarcus Walker has been impressing me these last few weeks run defense. He's kind of getting around the ball. He's got a bigger personality and I'm fine. Bust that out whenever you make a play, but at least you're making plays and you're the, the free agent signing. Like a lot of these, some of this is, should I trust Ryan Poles or not? Cause I look at last year, Lucas Patrick, who, you know, I'm not a fan of Justin Jones, you know, like you can go down the list like, man, come on, Ryan Poles, but TJ Edwards, Demarcus Walker, Andrew Billings, you can keep cataloging these in there when everyone wants to look at Chase Claypool. There's a lot of good decisions happening right now in Chicago. That's the thing. Like, let's talk about Walker. Because I I personally think he's one of the most interesting topics to talk about because he reflects the, the bigger picture very, very clearly, right? Is Demarcus Walker an edge one? No. Is he an edge two? Probably not. What's he being paid? $7 million a year. What's mm-hmm. Chase Young going to get on the open market? 
25 million dollars a year so you can see that just like your parents told you when you were growing up nick you get what you pay for Mm -hmm. and the bears just don't have some guys that aren't rotational linemen looking at you unique um and so it's it's funny looking at walker because he is like you're talking about him and andrew billings are some of the only real playmakers the bears have he is feisty he's not getting credit or credit credited with a lot of his pressures because he's not He's not getting that close (laughs) right to the quarterback. But when the quarterback releases the ball, he's very often the closest, right? And if you could bring him in as a spark plug, just like Tennessee did, I bet you'd see even more production. So Mm -hmm. it's not that this guy can't play. It's that he's miscast, just like another rookie that we'll talk about later, wearing number 96. Well, uh, a, a, cu- a couple of them, couple honestly, of but, them. <laughs> but with, with Walker, I mean, he's, we talked about this, I think before the year started, he's an elephant end. So he's like a bigger D end that's there to stop the run. You can go in and play three tech and get some pass rush. So he's just like, you know, for a long time, I thought, and again, this is, this is going to be an interesting segue into another guy. I always thought Jay Cutler was very misunderstood. Because we're in a division with Aaron Rodgers. Everyone's like, oh, well, he's not like Aaron Rodgers. Nobody is. Right. But if you're like, hey, you know what? I want you to be around 10th to 15th best quarterback in the NFL. It's about where he's at. So, like, if you lower the expectation bar for what Demarcus Walker is, you'd be like, hey, he's a, I'm glad he's a bear. Right. And the moment, to me, that you look at his contract, that, to me, is what guides expectations. And mm-hmm. yep. if you want to segue into it, I don't know if this is where you were leading. There is a bear whose contract is massively outsizing his play on the field. And I don't think it's necessarily number 49's fault in Jermaine Edmonds, but holy smokes, we cannot tackle. It's been five weeks and I haven't talked about it. We are, we're dying. We're dying out there in, in terms of tackling. Like there are probably what, seven, eight, nine plays that uh, Jermaine Edmonds could have made for no gain or less that we are flat missing the tackle. And if somebody's not there to clean it up, the guy goes out and gets five, six up to upwards of 15 yards. And especially as a linebacker that I think the most positive thing you could say about him is the entire scheme is so bad that what's he really going to do? Sometimes you have to make those plays because you are the highest paid player on the defense. Yes. I I don't even think it's close as a matter of fact. No, no. And and that's, that was one of my things is he's on my, my stock down. And I also, I also just have in general bears just tackling. It's like stock down. I mean, I understand sometimes you're going to miss a tackle because of, you know, how someone's going to cut um, momentum, leverage, you know, just odds. But, and we talked about this weeks ago with Justin Fields and that lacking confidence. I just feel like right now he lacks confidence. Tremaine Edmonds, I feel like he's, he's so hesitating so much that he's getting in his own way. I would rather he just goes and just misses versus this, Julio McLaughlin or McLaughlin, whatever, mm-hmm. he just went right by him so many times because right Ed was like, uh, and that guy's quicker than you when he's gone. Like, just go and try. You're a huge man. You're yep. huge. So, I mean, I don't know how someone gets outside of that wingspan, to be honest with you. Just go after somebody because you know what? If you go all out and you make him cut back, TJ Edwards is probably going to be there. But if he goes around you, no one's going to help you. So, yeah, he's definitely on my trend down. And, and again, Five-game sample size. We could talk about scheme, lots of things. But right now, he's kind of going back to this 2021 in prior form, which isn't what we were paid for. No. 
And I mean, it doesn't help anything that if I was going to describe the Bears scheme in a word, it's uh, it's patient. And that's the most positive way I could say it. Right. The Bears are slow to the ball all the time. Yep. In theory, this helps you keep huge plays off the board. It has not worked out that way because it turns out that we don't quite have the talent, nor are the a lot of the plays that the Bears are making popular good at all this rally tackling stuff. And it doesn't help anything. My favorite example of this, we could talk Tremaine Edmonds. We could talk Tyreek Stevenson. I want to use Joe Juwan Williams, the last DB that they picked up just before this game that actually got on the field. His stop start, his stop start is the worst part of his game. So what do we do with our DBs? We drop them 10 yards off the line of scrimmage into cover two, and we have them bolt out and rally tackle. And that is just not what these guys do well across no. the board. And so I tend to think that in a, def- in a defensive day and age where you need to be early to the ball, because if you're not early, you're late. The Bears are intentionally building their defense to be late to the ball. And I don't think it's working and it's harming nobody worse than it harms Jermaine Edmonds. Because I think in Buffalo, he played quick to the ball a lot. He had the green light to play instinctive. Right now, Mm -hmm. you can see it with uh, everybody from Stroman to Blackman. to uh, We saw a little bit of this with Kyler Gordon. Like the nickel corner, whoever's playing the nickel, you can tell when they've got the flat and they can trigger on the running back that they aren't triggering on the running back immediately because that would be that would be uh, destroying the zone integrity, right? Because uh, yep, you yep. wouldn't be in your spot anymore. <laughs> You'd yep, be down yep. the field triggering the running back. Mm-hmm. In theory, you could get faked that way. So you'll see them almost trigger and then catch themselves and pull back because they're not allowed to go do that yet, right? right. I mean, I mean, in Evan's case, he looks like a robot sometimes, doesn't he? Yes, he looks like he's thinking. Edwards, to you, to flip it a little bit, Edwards, because his UDFA doesn't have the athletic talents that Edmonds does, and that means that if he's not immediately in place, he's out of place. Like, he can't catch up to a play. He has to stay on top of the play. Mm -hmm. And it took him five games. But he's finally on top of the play, more often than not. Edmonds is not only behind the play, but looks flat out lost and sometimes runs the wrong play. And I would call that an Edmonds issue. I would. And you Mm -hmm. can. Anybody out there. I personally think that that reflects on coaching because this is a very coaching dependent position. In my opinion, it is the jewel of the scheme is to be this guy. And maybe I've just been watching too much football. Maybe I'm caping for a guy who looks like an athletic terror on his best plays. But to me, Nick, when you say this is my guy, he will do this and he doesn't do it. I say somebody screwed up here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it, it's the Justin Fields thing, right? If if you if it's it's using a sports car, and that's what you're going to use to take home your Christmas tree. What are we doing here? You know <laughs> that's what I mean? The best metaphor. <laughs> I mean, I mean that that that's that's what's happening with him. That was happening with Fields and not using his legs and having him check down and not throw deep. Like everything was just weird. So a couple other quick ones before we dive deeper into other things. A couple other stock up guys. Greg Stroman had a good game. I mean, he's yes. a guy that is playing like player the first half. His career depends on it, which you know what? It, it is. So good for you because you know what? I think even with, we'll talk about this later, some guys coming back, I think you're on the 53 because you earned it. So good work there. Cole Komet, you already touched on him. I thought he played better. There are some things, Cole Komet. Okay, I just have to, blocking, you know? I mean, I know it's not the best thing in the world for you, but that one where they faked, 
a run and Justin Fields like 360 out and they countered back on a quarterback run and there's a lineman in front and there's Cole Komet in front and then Fields and we got eight yards or so. Cole Komet looks like he's the one with the football. He's running, he's behind the lineman and then goes out of bounds and Fields goes right behind him. <laughs> Cut inside and block somebody. <laughs> what are you doing? Like I was losing my mind live watching it. Then when I watched all 22 and I'm like, as a coach, like, you already, and again, when you, when you are a coach, you know, you can like circle things. You put in notes. Like I was ready this guy, just go right there. Like, what are you doing? Cole Komet. So besides that had a good game, a few things he can improve on. Do you have anybody trending down? You want to talk about? Well, I liked a lot of the guys on your list, uh, but in particular, it's so funny because there's, there's some of these guys where they're trending down, but they were always trending down. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, let me name a few. I I didn't I did not love what I saw from Jaquan Brisker in his first season. I mean, oh. safety safety is the position that the broadcast gets wrong the most because mm -hmm. you don't notice the safety the overwhelming majority of the time. Literally imagine watching the football game. Who is the furthest person away from the football? It's the safety. So on most plays when you aren't staring at them, you're not going to know what they're doing. And mm -hmm. I thought Brisker, of course, had his rookie moments. That's one thing. But yeah. he is a little later to diagnose plays than most other safeties that I've watched. And at times, that can get him kind of lost. But in this game, watching him get baked by, I think it was Antonio Gibson down the sidelines, was a huge bummer. Because <laughs> especially a power safety like he is, you're hoping that he's going to be able to jam the guy and then run right. with him down the sidelines. But yeah. we didn't really do that. And I do think his zone play has gotten better than it was last year, but you'd expect that out of a second year player. The big mm -hmm. problem that I think everybody's going to have with Brisker is the same problem that everybody had with Cole Kmet for an awfully long time, which is that there's Alec Pierce and there's George Pickens that are attached to his name. We haven't identified a player that Kyler Gordon would have been. So Kyler Gordon gets to just exist as he is right. But with Brisker, every time he doesn't make a play, and then Kenny Pickett lofts up a game-winning ball to George Pickens. <laughs> Bears Twitter goes bananas. And I'm not about to say they're right to do it. I actually think it's pretty annoying. Sorry, guys. I love you. <laughs> but Let the, it go. But it is frustrating for Brisker because I think you'd agree with me. When you take a safety in the top 50, they need to be an impact player. They and do. right now, Brisker looks close. If you asked me, without knowing draft position, who was better, number 27 or number 9? Number 27 was better. Oh, yeah. And yep. I don't think that it's acceptable for a third string nickel corner to be out competing the guy who is supposed to be the leader of your defense. And certainly he talks like he's the leader of the defense mm -hmm. without Eddie Jackson and Jalen Johnson on the field. But I also kind of know I'm carrying a really like high bar for him. You know what I'm saying? Well, well but also <laughs> in a game when he was the, I mean, I know Tyreek Stevenson's a starter, but like he's a rookie. So I'm not. In the game when you're the veteran starting you're it. DB from from OTAs till now, you've been there. I know you got dinged up a little bit. Like you all, you can't just be like, "Well, I'm a starter," and you know, you guys are back. Like you got to show it. Like they're gonna lean on you. You can't be the weak link. That it's just I I've just been disappointed. I think he misses too many tackles. Also for this type of a player, that's not going to be the Eddie Jackson free safety type. You talked about diagnosing. I just think there's holes in his game that he needs to improve on. And right now his stock's down and I want his stock to be up. I want him to be good. Trust me, everybody. 
he's just not doing it. There are this amazing amount of things within football. So envision, envision a spear, envision of spear very literally, right? Now envision the tip of the spear, right? The there's it only takes a small point at the end of a spear to puncture something, and once it's punctured, the rest of the spear is much easier to jam through whatever surface you're attacking. Follow so far? Hmm? In my opinion, football, way more often than not, comes down to somebody being really good at one thing, which forces people to overreact to that thing that you're good at. And then it opens up for that player. Let's say it's a receiver. Let's say it's Tyreek Hill. He's outrageously fast with outrageous left-to-right breaking ability. Tariq Cohen, very similar. This is going to force you to play him like he's a receiver, despite him being a running back. So that means that when you would have been in nickel, now you're in dime. When you would have been in dime, now you're in dollar. Like when you would have been in base, now you're in nickel. So you're in very run, like pro running formations because you have Ty- or because you have Tariq Cohen on the field. When yep. it's Tyreek Hill, you have to play too high. You have to play really deep bracket coverages to keep that guy in check. Otherwise, number 10 is going to run straight by you just like he did for New York. See Denver game. See Denver game. <laughs> and what I think is really interesting about Brisker is that at safety, and at DB this is true in general, but at safety especially, you cannot be late. Because the moment you're late, you have to make a much tougher tackle than mm-hmm. you would have if you were on time, God forbid, if you were early, right? One of the things that Eddie Jackson cleaned up like crazy last year is that he got downhill and was in place. He was there on time for rushers that burst through holes. So plays that would have been potential touchdowns for later safeties, Nick, became 12-yard chunks, right? You had a safety who was in the rushing lane meeting Saquon Barkley out on the edge to get him out of bounds instead of letting him cut back inside and do what we saw Khalil Herbert do a few times, not just last year, but last game too, and break wide open. And now you got a running back that's just mm-hmm. flat loose and you got to go catch him. Yeah. Brisker is making and things really hard on himself. Yes. You know, it's interesting. So, so me as, as coaching, I know I've, I've talked a lot about, you know, quarterbacking and offense, but I've also co- coached DBs. One of the hardest things to teach a DB, it, especially the safety, is to run the alley, which is what you're talking about. Because they they just know, like, no one behind me, you know? And, like, just flow over the top. Like, no, you have to get aggressive and get – and you have to put your face right in this area and you got to hit somebody. They're like, oh, like, yeah, that's – it's not just – it's not just, you know, you're, you're a safety blink at the back end. You have to – you have to be a run fitter. And so I agree with mm-hmm. you. And for a long part of Eddie Jackson's career – he was soft against the run. And that yes. was the biggest issue or missed tackles, you know, but he was way better last year. And, you know, maybe, maybe here's my olive branch to Jaquan Brisker. Maybe he's Adrian Amosine, Eddie Jackson. Remember Eddie yes. Jackson fell off when Adrian Amos left. And maybe he just needs the, 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 the Batman there. And then Robin can get a little bit better. Well, um, let me segue I, then off that because yeah. Elijah Hicks is not Batman. At oh my all. gosh. Like, oh my gosh. I don't bad. think Elijah Hicks is a one page. Ju- I, I, gosh, I, I recently saw those clips of like Shady McCoy and a couple others being like super disparaging. This last part, it was to Dak Prescott. Uh, and somebody did that to another quarterback. I think it was like Jimmy Garoppolo or something. I'm not going to go there. But Elijah Hicks makes Jaquan Brisker certainly look like a starter. And that bums me out 
because I'm used to safety being a position that a UDFA, a later round pick, these guys can shine. We've seen Adrian Amos do this. We see actually a lot of players across the league. Names old, are old school, Mike Green. People might remember him. Seventh right. round pick. Like fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounders have a much better opportunity at safety because it's not a position guided by athleticism. I'll use an example. In the entire season, uh, Kyler Gordon was a perfectly capable outside corner. In fact, at times he looked like a better outside corner than he looked like at a nickel corner. And then Agreed. enough guys went down that he was the full-time outside corner until week 17. Detroit had this idea where they said, what if we just ran at him? Like, what if we just, not running game, what if we just ran past Kyler Gordon? Does he have the foot speed to keep up with our guy? And very quickly into that week 17 game, the answer was clear. No, we don't. Like, why is Kyler Gordon an inside player? It's because he doesn't have that long speed. Because if you don't, you die at at corner. Like, it Mm -hmm. is a live or die position. And I'm sure you've seen it. If you can't Mm -hmm. keep up with, because it's not about Tyreek Hill. You have to be able to keep up with, what, Ray Ray McLeod? Like, is that a decent example? Uh, you have to be able to keep up with Jamison Williams. I understand he's a first-round pick, but he's not the weapon inside the Detroit offense. So outside corners, as big and long as they are, have to be able to keep pace. Mm-hmm. Safeties, since they don't, it opens the door for anticipation and like play understanding, diagnosis, just instincts about where to be to mm-hmm. carry you to becoming a way better player than you are. Eddie Jackson would lose to a lot of safeties in foot race. I mean, like oh, yeah. a lot of safety. I mean, I mean, I mean, he's a good athlete, not a great athlete, but he gets a half second head start over almost all of these other players because he just sees it. And God forbid he recognize exactly what's going on before it happens. And then he'll pick you off. And so mm-hmm. for me, it's been a bummer because Eddie has trained my eyes to know what uh, anticipation looks like. And the mm-hmm. Bears don't really have another one. And well, it's a shame. No. Well, and this is a worry we had going into the years that, man, I wanted another veteran safety and that didn't happen. I mean, they did. Who did they sign? But they didn't get active. They signed some veteran before last week. Before last week? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Off of the Patriots. Uh, Was that Jojuan? No, no, no. They got got a safety. They didn't make him active. I mean, that's going to bug me. (laughs) Here, I'll I'll look it up next time. You look it up. I'll say. But the the other thing that about Elijah Hicks that I did not like, okay? It's one thing to not play well. It's another thing to have bad body language and not play well. If you're not going to play well, I don't want you pointing. I don't want you sinking your head. I want you being a good teammate. And I I saw that too, and that also kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Oh, yeah. I mean, and if it sounds like I'm tanking on Elijah Hicks, I'll give him the same olive branch that I gave Sam Mustafer, which is that he's a seventh-round pick. Yes, of course, it would be great if we had better. But seventh-round picks don't make a lot of rosters, for crying out loud. And so it doesn't bother me that he's playing well, or that he's playing poorly. It's just, man, it's a huge step down. And the uh, the veteran safety was Deron Harmon. Gotcha. Thank you. Uh, a couple other guys, just so that we can rifle through these, then we sure. get to our rookie section, then we preview the game real fast. Uh, yep. I I did want to call out that you've got Cody Whitehair and Lucas Patrick on this trending down. I agree with you. There was some there was some thought and hope that Lucas Patrick might have just been hurt and out of position. That does not seem to be the case. And Cody Whitehair seems as if his best days are behind him. I do you have any more to add, or do you feel like those are pretty self-evident guys? No, no. I mean, I mean, again, I had, I also have Justin Jones on this list, and I'm just going to combine him with Lucas Patrick because there, there are two guys I thought that Ryan Poles is going to be like, you know, I made a mistake, and I can save almost $9 million cutting these guys in the offseason. 
but he didn't and he kept them and they both have been trending poorly, which, which just stinks. It's just the sunk cost in my opinion, but Cody Whitehair is a little sad because Cody Whitehair, unfortunately, I don't think will ever be what we wanted as a bears fan. He was maybe some people argue could be a tackle. He could play anywhere. And he had like probably one, like really good year, a couple of good years bump, bouncing around, dinged up in, injured. You know, he got money. He's just, he's just never going to be as good as we want. And I think putting him at center to end his career is probably the best. So I think he just be a helper and he can communicate. Exactly. And apparently snap the ball crazy high, but that's a separate conversation. <laughs> I don't understand how it is because Nick, I'll watch other teams when I get the chance and the snaps are not as questionable across the NFL. I mean, Dan Feeney sent the ball into orbit. Uh, Cody Whitehair has sent the ball into orbit. Lucas Patrick seems to be having this fun game that he plays with Justin Fields, where the further outside of Fields' frame he can get the ball, the more points he's points he scores to his left or to his right. And then Jalen Hurts, and then Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Herbert, and Kirk Cousins. Like none of these guys have to worry about no. the snap volatility. I, I, I wonder why Fields can't throw it quick. I don't know. Maybe his eyes can't look downfield quick. Clearly, clear. And then that Justin Jones, the invisible man. <laughs> so Should he be starting anymore? There's not a great replacement. I mean, I think that Gervon Dexter is the closest you're going to get, but mm -hmm. I also think that Gervon's not in. Okay. So I'm going to say something that could be considered pretty salacious, but I don't see Gervon as in every down playing shape right now. I don't know yeah. if it's that he's too big, but if you've seen what I do when he gets it's seven to eight snaps in a row, that fifth one is much slower than yep. the first one was and i'm not surprised the guy's a rookie you have mm -hmm. to remember everybody listening that these these rookies don't get the off season the way that actual professional football players do because they don't have to get into football shape they have to get into track shape for the combine it's a different shape as i'm sure you know nick where mm -hmm. you have to you don't spend time working on a pass rush move because you can't do that at the combine. You have to spend time maximizing your 40 time. A yep. lot of these guys, like they will bring in professional on professional on professional coaches that will teach them how to cheat the 40 as best they can. And it's why all the times are comparable because everybody's doing it. And so, yep. but it's also why sometimes you'll go, how'd that guy run a 4-3? Because maybe his coach was just better than all the others, right? Yep. And three cone and broad jump. Like all these things that like, they don't matter. We want you to be a good football player. I guess the only reason I thought about having him out there or oh, someone besides you. Justin Jones is because basically it's like it's bad we got the two there. veterans, we got the two rookies. Like, what if you mix and match them in like important situations? Let's not have Justin Jones out there. Well, let's in that case, let's bleed into oh no, wait, hang on. There's one more trending down that we may we may have to we may have to have a conversation about this one. Sure. Do you do you want to talk about the one name that we haven't talked about yet? Darnell Mooney. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I expected more out of Darnell Mooney this year, especially with the rapport I thought he had with Justin Fields. And I'm not sure what's going on, but something's going on. And Mooney's not one where he doesn't put effort in, but in my opinion, he's just not living up to what I had for him. Not that I think he's a bad player, but he should not have tried to high point that first ball, right? Justin right. Fields missed him on that other deep cross. I think you call it a sale. I thought it was a deep cross. I can't remember. Um, but there's there's multiple of those, where, or or even the one in the end zone where it's like it does hit him in the hands. Right. The DB's there, 
DJ Moore made the catch. He didn't make the catch. It's like, I, I, I need you to be last year, Darnell Mooney, when you made some crazy catches and you bailed them out when they weren't perfect throws. And right now I'm not seeing that from him. So it's totally just my opinion. And keep in mind, I'm pretty forgiving when it comes to, so Anthony Miller taught me a lesson. We're winding the clock all the way back to Anthony Miller. I liked Anthony Miller out of Memphis. I still do. (laughs) Great route runner after the catch. I was like, yes. Look at Jaden Reed. That's to me what I thought Anthony Miller was without a doubt going to be. And as Anthony grew and seemed to bristle with the rest of the locker room, because we obviously saw a very different rookie Anthony Miller than we saw from his second and third year in the league. It taught me that every NFL receiver at some point in their life, and I mean all of them, Nick, were the number one receiver on a team, right? Whether that's their high school team, whether that's their college team, whether that's their NFL team, eventually they were the number one receiving option. And I think there are a lot of players that I I think basically every player is most comfortable in that role. This like Robert Woods role that Robert Woods is in is to his credit out in Houston, but for a while there, it was Los Angeles where you are the clear number two because not a one B number two, because it means it's the equivalent of being a pinch hitter, right? You don't get as many targets. If you screw up on one target, you won't get another for an awfully long time. It's like sitting in the refrigerator waiting to come out and make a play for me. The week five game, I thought Justin Fields probably took a hundred yards off of Darnell Mooney's like season total. Not because I hate Justin Fields or something like that, but because that, whether it's a crosser, whether it's a sale route, you get it. It's the deep out route. Like Darnell is wide open and the route, the fade into the end zone. Darnell is wide open, hard to get more open than that. Especially if we lace the ball on a slightly lower trajectory so that Mooney doesn't have to slow up for it. The Mooney or the ball over Mooney's shoulder. So call me a tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist. But I went back and I watched it and the ball fades from the, gosh, I'm having to get this right. Uh, It fades from his right-hand side over his left-hand shoulder. And I tried to envision what I would do in that scenario. And I think he lost the ball. Like, why didn't he turn around? Because it's totally just my guess, but I think he couldn't see the football for a hot moment there. And as he turned around to see it, he squared his shoulders and then just reacted, right? He's not thinking that hard. But it's one of those where your Madden character might pull it off. A real human being is like, I don't know where the football is. (laughs) Because it Mm. was straight up the line on his back, basically. And that's just... Yeah, and I just envision just looking over your shoulder and just catching. Totally. And that's if your neck is insane enough to get all the way around in the football. Again, I'm not saying... He's made too many crazy catches, though. Maybe maybe my expectation for him is just like... he was in a wide receiver one role. Because right. it had to be him. So and so does he feel pressure then? I, I think a little. And yeah. frankly, I wouldn't be surprised after last game, especially some of the body language stuff that like you were talking about, we just we kind of got to mention. It's, it's not amazing. Uh, that he looks frustrated, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I, I wouldn't put him in the stock down, me personally, because he was separating too well. Claypool is out there throwing fits right? Tyler Scott isn't even running his for the love of the game routes at full speed sometimes. And I don't know why, because he's a rookie and that just doesn't make any sense to me. But Mm -hmm. Darnell Mooney, when he was called upon to separate, didn't just separate. 
he got some distance between yeah. him and his corner, including especially on that deep crosser. He just threw his guy into the ground. Super badass. But mm-hmm. we didn't catch the ball. I assume it'll come. If in three more weeks, this connection still isn't working, I'll still ask you why. Because to me, this almost looks like right now. Okay. Who do you think has more receiving yards? DJ Moore or all of the rest of the, the players designated as a wide receiver put together, including Chase Claypool? Oh, DJ Moore. By leaps and bounds. And yeah. so, especially as we talk about how Fields is struggling to get through his reads, part of me wonders how other receivers are just reacting. That's not an excuse. Yeah. That's not yeah. an excuse. They they're, they're, they're jealous of the new kid it. in school, you know? So, oh, by the way, I don't think we have to say trending up DJ Moore. I think that's just a given, right? I think he, you could argue he's been better than advertised. There are oh EPA calculations that have him as the second best receiver in football, I, uh, down to like the sixth. I, I, I'm waiting, you know, just because I'm not always that person on Twitter for fun. But <laughs> there, there are some people that have the, you know, DJ Moore, you know, fields are going to hold him back and he's not going to articles. That maybe I work with at my job, but I'm going to, I'll retweet him at some point just for fun because having 500 yards or whatever he has right now uh, is pretty outstanding. So I'm pretty excited about that. The other thing, and I'll just quickly do this one One more trending down. That was just disappointing with last game. I know that we should be happy that Luke Getze and the play calling have improved. Can we not have a sprint out to Justin Fields left Uh in the red zone and third and two? To DJ Moore, it's tougher to get your shoulders around, and it's just a bad play call. You limit the field, like, just make some better play calls. It's a good idea to somebody for some reason, and I'm dying to know that reason, right? That's all. Is is it that fields can't run something else on third and two? Is it that it worked in practice? Is it that Luke Getzi doesn't have any better ideas? We don't know. And we won't know, but I'm with you. It can't continue. I, I hate Let's, those. I mean, to to your left, I mean, you have to get depth to get your shoulders around. Like it's just, it's a, just it's a terrible. To his right, I can see. Left, what are you doing? They keep picking the left side. I don't get why. I know. Anyways. Uh, let's let's go through some rookies really fast, and then we'll go through the fastest game preview possible because we've already been talking for long enough that we're going to run out of time sure. very quickly sure. on our, during our recording session. I think a lot of the rookies have, to, to your point about Ryan Poles, I think a lot of the rookies have actually come to play quite well. Gavon Dexter had quite a bit of pressure. I think three pass rush wins, many of which were just full-on wins, like mm-hmm. especially at the one-tech spot. It is still weird to me that they are playing Dexter at three technique and Pickens at one technique. Pickens doesn't have the weight to stand up to a double team the way that even Dexter does, but let alone Billings, who's probably, what, 40 real pounds heavier? Just talking about their, like, legitimate yes. playing weights. Yes. And then they put Pickens at three technique, and he long arms the snot out of his man. And it's awesome. And we're sitting there like, where has this been? I do uh-huh. think Gervon looks crazy raw to this point. He yep. can't win to his left to save his life. Not yet. He can win through brute force, straight down the middle, or to his right. But he, we talked uh, going into the season about how he's relatively new to football. I think you can see it, that mm-hmm. he's trying different pass rush moves like cross chops, etc. Okay, have you seen the way he's winning, though? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I, I see. The, the thing I like the about him, though. in the shoulder. Like, mm-hmm. he just... He does this almost cartoonish, just balls up his fist and just 
pokes his defender in the arm and Mm -hmm. a lot like especially one of the plays if you can go back and find it bears fan the guy basically just like winces and gets knocked off balance and dexter plants his left hand on his inside shoulder pad and just pries open the gate to get to the quarterback super badass if Mm -hmm. a little bit comic book super villain right i mean i mean he's he's exciting to watch honestly he's fun to watch because he's like you you there's this huge guy that's strong and athletic and you're like i know what he's gonna do but it it could be good or it could be this is his easy rep right right in my opinion i think darnell wright has been as good as any realistic person would have hoped that he would be but there are some people that i've seen that are still mad uh, about the pick And I do get it. I promise I get it because Jalen Carter has been just unbelievable. But to me, there's way more value on this Bears team in getting a better answer about what Justin Fields is or isn't. And Darnell Wright has without a doubt been the most capable offensive lineman counting all five games, like scaling them. Yeah. And the one thing that I like most about Darnell Wright is coming in was he shut down Will Anderson. We heard all about the pass protection but he wasn't a good run blocker. I know Tennessee's scheme was very different, but he whiffed a lot of run blocks. He has really transitioned his game and worked hard. And he's been a good run blocker for any offensive tackle, not just a rookie. So to round out his game already part way into his rookie year, I think is huge for what his outcome will be. And it's so funny because there are a bunch of technical pieces to his game that just, they're just going to have to get better. Uh, Mm -hmm. he, He gets caught leading when he thinks that he's losing and he needs to get that right arm around a speed rusher, his feet aren't clean enough on true speed rush edges. Uh, And in many cases, he's not always landing his hands, though when he is landing his hands, he latches with the best of offensive tackles. Standard rookie stuff, right? (laughs) Like, especially against an edge rusher like Montez Sweat, you're not expecting to win all of them. And in this case, he didn't. But what one thing I'm really loving about Darnell Wright, and it just so happens that he's got Justin Fields as his quarterback, which doesn't make things easy, right? I would argue that Darnell Wright would be on pace to have one pressure all season if he had Mac Jones as his quarterback. That's not to call Mac Jones an upgrade. That's talking about a guy who's got a bottom five time to throw, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Darnell yeah. does a really good job of taking what could be a two-second loss and elongating it into does. a two and three quarters loss, a three second loss. Like Mm -hmm. if you're going to lose, you're going to lose with more than dignity. You're going to be a pain about it. And I actually love the penalties. Is that bad? Like I heard this defensive coach at one point who apparently walked into his defensive room, slammed a newspaper down after a loss. And the defensive coordinator said, we aren't taking enough penalties. <laughs> and everybody in that room, apparently all the coaches, because I was talking to somebody who was in there, were like, what are you talking about? And he was like, if you're going to, if like, you should be holding is basically what he said. You should be interfering. You should be doing all these things because if you can get away with three of them for every one that gets called, it's a oh, yeah. win for us every yeah. time we do. And with that in mind, yeah, I'd rather Darnell Wright play dirty than clean. You well, the, the, I mean? the, the only thing I disagree with is false starting would be something that would false not. starting doesn't really have a. That would not <laughs> yeah. and, and there's a balance that every young tackle has to learn about when to let go. We've all seen it. We've all yep. seen that play, whether it was Khalil Mack, whether it was uh, Akeem Hicks, whether it's Demarcus Walker now, where the guy is bound up and the tackle is plainly holding him. And then just as the quarterback starts to let it, or get out of the pocket, pop, 
those hands come free. The guy falls over. No call happens. And yep. fans go, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Holding holding is legal on the inside, everybody. Learning that balance of when do you let go, when do you not let go. Mm-hmm. It's part of being a rookie. But overall, like you're saying, I've been just over the moon. Yep. So, so I mean, the other rookies, I don't think we have to touch a lot on. Cause you talked about Tyreek Stevenson already. Smith is um, the only one I want to talk about. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. If you want to do Smith, now the injuries done. I feel like Smith, there's a hype train running away from the station. And it will fall back to earth because Smith, I think, is begging the question on how fast he plays, right? He played with an awfully soft top in this last game. And it got him burned on more than one occasion where somebody stemming up to him and then breaking inside would have five yards of separation sometimes. Or a touchdown on that slant. Or a touchdown on that slant. And it's like, we can be more aggressive. Now he's a rookie. He's starting his, what, third game? Playing in his third game, starting in his second, I think. So he gets all of the grace. And I don't really care. But it's when I start hearing people go, well, Smith's better than Stevenson. I'm like, let's let's hold on a second here. Because Smith looked to me, I don't know what you saw, Nick, like a player that the offensive coordinator forgot to account for or that he didn't show up or he didn't show enough on his Denver tape for Biennemi to target him, especially because let's be honest, coaches aren't always like coaches will often watch a tape and go, oh, they're targeting 29. We should target 29. Right. Keep it really simple. Like, no, so, so I think, I think I'm a little bit more. So here's why I would be okay with Smith over Stevenson potentially sure. is one is he's not going to get interference calls on him at least right now, which I know we've talked through, which I'm not overly opposed to all the time, but I think that Stevenson could have had two other potential PIs on him. Um, but Smith also ripped the ball out and forced a turnover, which is something else I want to see. And he had in the past deflection against Denver. So we're seeing some flashes, although I think he is hesitating a little bit more. And I think Stevenson's being a little bit more aggressive. You want a blend of both guys is really yes. would be ideal. Um, oh, but awesome, I think that awesome backup defensive back. back yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. I, but I just think that he's earned some playing time at this point where it's not just all Stevenson, even though I know you want the reps. So I think that at some point, maybe they could rotate potentially because I don't know who the best one's going to be long-term. I, I would be hard pressed to think it isn't going to be Stevenson, if only because I, I thought Smith looks really comfortable in his zones outside of the fact that when the ball gets dumped underneath, he's actually having more trouble keeping his footing than I think people realize. Yeah, he slips like, a lot. It's weird. He slips. A, it's that first step out of his break. I don't think he knows or I don't think he's quite comfortable with managing zones that are going to go over his back, like that are going to try to catch him in a high low. And so okay. he'll lean backwards to watch the receiver go past him. And then if the throw comes underneath, he has trouble getting his weight back in front of him to drive downhill. That's my over, uh, over explanative, like guess mm-hmm. as to what's happening. But with Stevenson, what I really like is just that it's that long speed, like multiple plays. They tried to send somebody well deep on Stevenson and he ended up just striding with him. That play he had breaking up the pass with 83 was outstanding. Because Hal put the ball exactly where he needed to. You know the one I'm talking about? Like, no, I don't. I'm trying to remember. So if you look on Twitter, on a Stevenson reel I did, it's the first one in there. But Stevenson is basically sitting in what looks like it's going to be cover three. It ends up being Was, was that the Logan Thomas? Yes. Mm-hmm. He he arm, he hit his arm. I thought it was a PI. It's Well, so Logan was pushing back on him. So I have okay. no issue with this. He did right. have a separate PI flag. He had two PI flags that got picked up which I thought was really interesting because I I didn't think either of them were interference. He's just physical. 
But like yeah. you're talking about, I mean, the reputation is out. So now he's going to have to walk it back a little bit. I'm interested yeah. to see what happens because after all, it's a very, uh, let's just call it, it was he had his welcome to the NFL moment when Mike Evans was allowed to do whatever he wanted to against yeah, Tyreek exactly. Stevenson. And I don't blame him for being a little too physical with Terry McLaurin and a couple others, especially because on McLaurin, he guided him out of bounds. Like, I know you can't do it with your arms well out, but at the same time, to call that route extreme interference in one way or another, I could actually see it not getting called. But, mm -hmm. hey, I'm a Bears fan, so if you want to call right. me a homer, you can. So, so we're, we're going to zoom past the other rookies. Zoom they haven't really past. played enough. Um, so a couple of injury things. So we touched on this a little bit, but Justin Jefferson with his hamstring is on injured reserve now. So Chicago will not play him. That will adjust our conversation, but just so everyone knows that's a, again, I hate injuries, even if it's for the opponent. I know this really benefits Chicago, but it just sucks having such a great player, not be able to play for Chicago. Khalil Herbert, right. He's going to be a few weeks with that ankle. Uh, Roshan Johnson, I, my guess is he won't be back with a concussion. And because of that, Chicago signed back Darrington Evans, who knows the offense. And I think we're going to see Deontay Foreman back. What do you think, Robert? I tend to agree with you. Finally, we found a place to use Deontay Foreman, right? Because the I, Roshan's got to figure out how to negate contact at the top of those huge, huge hits. The collisions are awesome, but you can't right. do that forever. Turns out NFL safeties can hit too, right? Yep. But within that, I thought, like, I'm excited about the runners that the Bears have. Evans was a solid little runner for Chicago. That's exactly the pickup that you want. Won't surprise me to see both of them toting the pill, especially because Kari Blazing game. Valiant in his effort, but maybe not the guy that you want trying to close a game out. So right, right. It's to me, it's pretty slam dunk, like you're saying, heavy dose of Deontay Foreman. But who yes. knows? Evans is the one with the one of the longest gains by a running back in the passing game last year. So maybe he gets more work than we realize, yeah. especially since did you talk about Homer? Do you know if Homer's going to well, play? I don't know if Homer's going to play or not, but I mean, if you're looking for the passing game work too, Evans is going to be your quick guy and probably better in that, in that realm. Right. But also, I mean, like I said, I mean, being in the scheme last year is the reason they signed him. Right. Exactly. And so as we move forward, I mean, whose injuries do you think hurt their team more, Nick? Well, the the other thing too is that uh, so I have another Viking injury, but I, we have to talk about Eddie Jackson's already said he's going to be back. He's coming back. Jalen Johnson already said he's going to be back. Kyler Gordon is off his cast. I don't know if he's for sure going to play, but it looks like he's leaning that way. That is massive because massive. at least we could maybe see what the design of this defense is when you're not missing three fourths of your starters in the secondary. Right, and I mean I'll be. I'll be a little surprised if things change, if only because they were doing a lot of the same stuff against Green Bay. Maybe that's a week one thing, right? And that they planned to iterate. But within this game, we did see a lot more mug fronts. We saw a lot more blitzing. I don't have the exact uh, like the exact percentages in front of me, but we sent five and six men way more often than I thought yeah. Matt Eberflus was capable of calling. And that's to his, to his credit. You have to do that with a defense mm -hmm. like this. But... I'm really interested to see how these DBs play coming off of uh, yes. off of injury, if only because they could have massive impacts on a game like this. But for all I know, this is still the same defense that with Eddie Jackson, with Jalen Johnson, was one of the worst third and long defenses in football. So while I love those players, Nick, I, will, I really want to see the scheme 
prove that they are something that they aren't. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, Jalen Johnson's playing like a top 10 corner, which helps. The other injury I want to talk about is from Minnesota side is Garrett Bradbury mm-hmm. played really well last year as a center. Um, after kind of a struggle early in his career, he hurt his back early in the season, came back last week, then re-injured his back. My guess is he won't be back for this ball game, but they have a guy named Schlotman who is uh, filled in. He is PFF's 13th ranked center out of 37. So, you, man. hey, they just plug someone in there. That's one thing real quick to talk about. Their their team, their, their O-line is... So he he's 13th center, right? Limited snaps, but still doing well. Um, Ingram, 18th best guard. Cleveland, 10th best guard. O'Neal, 6th best tackle. Darisaw, 4th best tackle. That line is elite. They are balling. They are balling. And I mean, Man. I was about to say, do, do you want, do you have anything you want to do before we get into, let's go defense, Bears defense, Vikings offense to kick off the preview? Sure. Yeah, I'll just do some quick stats Hit just to let it. kind of people know. So Vikings offense Ranks fourth in yards per play, 5.9. Um, they are 16th in sack percentage allowed, 13th in points per drive. Kind of interesting, as, as bad as the running backs are, they're 15th in yards per carry. Okay. Um, 20th in third down percentage converted, which I thought I was surprised with Kirk Cousins and uh, Justin Jefferson. 22nd in red zone percentages turned into touchdowns, which also is down more than I thought. But this is kind of the biggest one. They are 32nd in the NFL in drives that end in a turnover. Yep. They are last in the NFL. I knew you were about to say that because I was about to say, like, the semantic preview is that this is a really sweet passing game. Like, from in terms of how it's designed, it's your... Mm-hmm. Old or not old school, but it is what is becoming common with the McVeigh brand of the Shanahan system, bit tailored for a West Coast quarterback. Not dissimilar from what McVeigh is doing with Matthew Stafford, because that's what makes Kirk Cousins comfortable. And their Achilles heel has been that they will just turn the ball over in the red zone like they want to, as if they're trying to. I mean, we had two huge crippling red zone turnovers against, uh, I guess, what was it? Oh, it was just the other week. It was Carolina. Then obviously we've heard about the awful stuff that Alexander Madison is enduring because he keeps fumbling in the red zone. Like it's, it's so funny watching this because your old school preview becomes, well, they, they lose Justin Jefferson. This entire offense runs through number eight, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is what I would consider one of the worst on paper matchups quarterback wise for a defense like the one the bears run. Now, Mm -hmm. That was especially true before this last weekend because within mug fronts and the bears were calling a few more fire zones, like five and six man zone packages to support five and six man blitzes. There's an element of disguise, more man coverage that the bears ran this last week against Washington, that if they keep it up, then maybe they will be able to confuse Kirk cousins a few times after all. But if they don't, Kirk is a scary type of quarterback. Like you're take the snap, distribute the ball and like grind out whatever yards we can. Don't take the cheese unless the cheese is offered style quarterback that should fluster a bears defense that doesn't have the dudes like you're saying to rush the passer against what is a surprisingly good Vikings offensive line. And they're better at pass blocking than they are at run blocking. If Sam Howell showed me anything, I don't know if you saw this, but Playing a quarterback that has a propensity to hold on to the ball is a disaster. Or, well, it's 
sorry, I, I said that exactly backwards. Playing a quarterback that has a, a propensity to hold on to the football gives the Bears defensive line a shot at making a play. But yep. a lot of these quarterbacks that we saw, namely, I'm going to use Baker, I'm going to use Jordan Love, and I'm going to use, not Russ, he doesn't count because he kind of got himself in a jam. But Maybe. So we'll use Baker, uh, Love, and Mahomes that just got the ball out, that they yep. went one, two, three, hit the back of their drop, throw it. They, they don't have a chance. They tore the Bears up. And yep. it's awesome that the Bears have their sweet DBs back. They could really use them. But yep. I am dying to know. This almost feels like a Matt Eberflus on trial game to me. What do you think? Oh, oh, very so because yeah, because if those guys are back and let's say that they're close to 100%, which you know, I know people say that, but like players really are rarely 100% once the season starts. Because when you lose Jefferson, and I look at right now in terms of again, this is PFF rankings. I mean, you have Addison, the rookie, he's 58th best receiver. Osborne, this surprised me, Robert. He's 100th out of 110 receivers in PFF. Um, what? Yeah, he's not playing well. KJ Osborne's not. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, right? Who got the big contract? Twentieth best tight end. So, like a lot of those guys aren't performing well. It's like, okay, can can we can we step up and do well enough to hold these weapons that have been mediocre? The only guy I'm worried about is Kirk Cousins. Oh yeah, and I mean he should be the only guy you're worried about because mm -hmm. the rest of the weaponry isn't anything spectacular, but. You don't know if you need spectacular weaponry to beat this Bears secondary, given the way that they like to play. After all, it wasn't too long ago that Marquez Valdez Scantling was doing some major damage to the Bears, uh, <laughs> to the Bears like secondary and linebacker core. But we'll see. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've been plenty wrong before. It doesn't help anything that the Vikings have had a pretty tough schedule. Like, I'm not trying to sit here and make excuses for them, but they have not played the soft schedule that I think some other teams, I'm looking at you, Atlanta. Have, have gotten to start off their NFL journey with. But all the same, losing Justin Jefferson, massive blow to them. I don't know what they're going to do, but it will, like I would argue, once again, we say this almost every week, the most important matchup is on the other side of the ball, isn't it? Because oh, yeah. Kirk Cousins will probably get his. So let's talk about the Bears' offense versus sure. the Vikings' defense. What do you see? Sure. So just real quickly, a couple stats on their defense that, you know, I know they're not good over there, but one area they're surprising, they only allow 5.1 yards per play, which is 12th in the NFL. That surprised me. We know they blitz. You've heard they blitz. How much do they blitz? 44.8% of the time, which is first in the NFL. This is the most shocking part to me. They are 31st in pressure percentage. They are tied for 23rd in hurry percentage, and they are 30th in quarterback rating and 31st in interception percentage. So they're not getting home. So whatever they're doing, they're just trying to do whatever they can. They are actually fifth in yards per allowed per attempt, which I was a little surprising to me. So it sounds like Chicago is going to be able to air it out and be successful. And I mean, if the Vikings don't stop number two, DJ Moore is going to smoke them because Justin Fields has a favorite target. I don't blame him. And if people aren't careful, he's going to load DJ Moore up with volume the way that Jay Cutler loaded up Brandon Marshall. And so I'm really interested to see what Luke Getze has in mind. I'm frankly interested to see what Flores has in mind while I'm at it because the Vikings, again, like we only get the stats that we get, or the, we only get the stats that we have seen, right? And the Vikings have played 
Jalen Hurts. They've played Patrick Mahomes. They've played a bunch of other really Justin Herbert, like four, three out of five of the quarterbacks. And I can't remember who the other one is because the fifth one is Bryce Young. So right, if you remember right. who they played in like week one, week one, I was Tampa. Mm. Okay. So yeah, you, you've got quick throw artist, quick throw artist, quick throw artist, like Bryce Young, whatever you want to decide that he is and Jalen Hurts. Right. Right. So I'm curious to know how Luke Getzey is going to handle all this pressure because it's not that it's threatening. It's just that you kind of have to account for it, right? Mm -hmm. This is a, effectively a lesser version of what they face in Tampa Bay. The problem is Tampa Bay got them for yeah. two-thirds of the game. And so I'm curious to see what happens here. But if Brian Flores doesn't bring his A game, these Vikings are going to get waxed because, yep. like you're saying, they have gotten gashed plenty of times. And moreover, mm -hmm. kudos to the Bears' offensive line. Kudos to Luke Getze and the way that they're calling protections. Whoever I need to credit for that, I'll throw Justin Fields a bone because he's the quarterback. He's got to design his own pressures. They're picking up blitzes. Like when you blitz the Bears, they're just picking it up. I would give credit to Fields for going hot. He's not, right? Like no, no, they're they're doing well. If it's if it's a twist, now again that was before the line. Everything got back to Te Tevin Jenkins struggled, but I think back with him and Davis back, I'm much more confident. Absolutely, and so. This is, once again, it's a football game that is winnable as long as Justin Fields goes out and wins it, which I feel almost bad about just because we're constantly talking from the perspective of if Fields is the leader, then the Bears will go out and win this football game. I, and I feel like Kirk Cousins has more pressure in this game than Justin Fields does. You know, if he wasn't 36, I would agree with you. Like, <laughs> he, Kirk Cousins' career, the moment he decides it's yeah. over, is over, and he's very accomplished, right? right. This is the... I would argue Fields has a lot of pressure on him, if only because the Bears are continuing to hold it or continuing their stranglehold on the top of the draft. And the longer that exists, the more articles get written about a certain CW that, again, we're just not going to talk about, especially as long as the Bears are winning. And no, so we don't need to. Yep. It's what's funny to me about this game Kirk is the underdog. I think Kirk plays best when he's the underdog, right? He you gave, like that. He, he gave Kansas City all they could handle like up and down the field the bears have a very winnable game that dare i say they maybe should win it and nick if you've had the same bears fan experience i have my entire life these are their kryptonite like the moment the bears have a legitimate advantage that they should take or that they not, should be able not this week robert <laughs> not this week are, are we are, are we gonna go into this right let's now go predictions let's go predictions okay okay Go for it. Last week, I was right and you were wrong. Yes. I said Chicago was going to win, and they won. And this week, I'm going to do Did the you same thing. Win? I thought you said they were going to lose. What? Anyways, I'll give you the win. I, I think the I win. said. I think they said. I said win. I'm almost positive. I said win. I bet you did. Huh. I really do. We'll go. We'll go back and check. Someone. Someone will just yell at us. So I'm going to say Chicago is going to win this game for a couple of reasons. One, we already talked about the, you know, the Jefferson injury. They're playing well. Let's just talk about that right now. They're playing really well on offense at least. But also, going back to one of our first episodes, Chicago has the rest advantage by days. Minnesota had a late game on Sunday. Chicago's playing at home. I have Chicago winning 34 to 21. I actually really like that score. The score that I had in mind was Chicago probably winning 31 to like 24, so slightly closer. But I really think, okay, so, you know, we come out here and we talk about advanced statistics. We talk about scheme. 
I feel like the key to this game is going to be whoever wins the turnover battle probably wins the football game. If Brian Flores can influence a couple of interceptions or fumbles or something, then this game could turn on Chicago very quickly. But also, there's nobody in the NFL right now that's better at throwing picks than the er, and fumbling the ball than these Minnesota Vikings. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that'll change, but I don't see why it would this week unless you just think that the Bears' defense is too right. soft to ultimately take the ball away. So within that, on paper, I have to give the Bears the advantage. I mean, there's so much emotion going into this game where the – I, is this Bears team the team that we thought had a shot at eight and nine, nine and eight? Because if it is, then they should beat this Vikings team, right? Mm-hmm. The defense is not good enough. They just lost their best weapon by far. And Kirk Cousins, while he's got a sweet line behind him, now doesn't have a whole lot to throw to. Or mm-hmm. are they the Bears team that got smoked by Kansas City? The Bears team that basically let Green Bay win it despite Green Bay's best efforts to be just a normal football game. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I'm going to pick the bears because I can't not, I can't look in the camera and say the paper says this doesn't favor Chicago, but Mm -hmm. also this is a game where I need the bears to make me a believer because I, I doubt them. Right. Like in general, this feels like exactly the kind of org that could get too hot after one win and come out flat for the next one. What? What's your score going to be? I had 31 to 24. Okay. So I'm 34, 21. And you're 31, 24. Mm-hmm. Okay. I liked the numbers, right? But I can't pick 40 with a straight face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think Chicago is going to score. Right. And then it's going to be, it's going to, if it's going to be enough. It's going to, it's going to be that question. But either way, Nick, where can folks find you online? Cause we got to close this thing up. Yeah. Yeah. At underscore uh, Nick Whalen on Twitter. I'm putting a lot more stuff on there lately. So just find me there. We'll chat about the bears. Awesome. You can find my writing on to bears blog every day. My Twitter is Robert K Schmitz right here on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, rate the show, but I got to get out of here. So until next time, bear down and thank you so much for bearing with us. 